Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking runtime configuration in Angular. We're going to be learning a little bit about that, seeing some cool things we can do with that. Looking forward to it. Uh, so let's say hi to our panelists, then we'll say hi to our guest and get busy. Joining us today, we've got Alyssa Eichel. Alyssa, how's it going? Hi, glad to be here, everyone. Glad to have you. Uh, Mike Brocky's with us. Mike, what's going on, Mike? Uh, not too much, just hanging out, uh, ready for another engaging chat today. Nice, nice. Bonnie, Brandon's back with us. Bonnie, how's it going? It's good. I missed you guys. It's good to be back. We miss you as always. We miss everybody who's not here. <laughs> and then when they get back, we say we missed them. So awesome, but glad to have you back. Thank and our you. guest today, Preston Lamb. Preston, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, first time on with you guys, and uh, first time I've met a couple of, of the panelists, so I'm excited to, to talk with you guys and, and uh, hopefully share something that, that is new or that can help you all. Awesome. We're stoked to have you here, and sounds like you'll be comfortable, and we'll, we'll just all have a friendly chat. It should be, should be awesome. <laughs> um, we have to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself. So I'm a web developer. Uh, I live in Roy, Utah. It's about a half hour north of Salt Lake City. Um, I've been working with Angular for a while now. Um, I started using it at this job uh, back when it was still in beta. Um, we we released a, an internal app when when Angular was still in beta. So been doing this for a while and uh, just uh, like to learn more about it. And um, and then the last little bit, I met Bonnie last year at ngconf. And uh, she started pushing me into doing more of this type of stuff. And so I was on NG Houston um, in December, I think it was. And I then, so. yeah, and then last last month in February, I uh, presented for um, Juan Herrera in uh, NG Columbia. So it's been, uh, been a pretty new couple months for me because um, the first few, few years I was working in Angular, I was just kind of a silent bystander, I kind of felt like. But, uh, but yeah, it's been fun. I like it. That's how a lot of us start out. And I have to say hello to your beautiful wife, who we met at NGConf last year. She was one of our NG girls. And you're one of our NG girls mentors. And it was really a joy to have both of you in the class, because y'all are such cool people. Oh, well, thank you. And, and NG girls was great. I'm hoping I can I can do it again this year. I pulled up the the mentor sign up sheet. I just have to check my, my work schedule. But I'm hoping that I can uh, can go do that again. That was great. And uh, my wife had a ton of fun and you and, and the other uh, or organizers, it was great. It made a, a really great uh, experience for her. So. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's really rewarding, I think, for everybody and for the mentors to be involved. Everybody just to see people getting so excited and, and, and some of the students actually really pick it up and run with it and stay with it over time and they keep on developing. And it's so rewarding to see that and be a part of that. It's great. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah, we've had them on uh, talking about Angular Girls before. We we need to probably have them back on and get an update, uh, see what's the latest and greatest, because I know they've been growing. So great program. All right, runtime configuration. Uh, you want to dive us into this topic, Preston? Sure. So uh, a little while back, it was probably four or five months ago, um, we were working um, on a couple Angular projects that we have internally at work. And I noticed, well, like 
again, I, I, like I said before, I've been working with Angular for three or four years. And so I was putting all of my configuration into the environment.ts files. So I had, you know, my local one and then one for the test environment and then one for production. And I was always adding one to the environment.ts file. And then I'd forget to add it to the test uh, environment file in the production one. And we'd build the application and it wouldn't work. And, uh, and so then I'd have to, you know, uh, recommit all that code and everything. And I was thinking this, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Um, this isn't very developer friendly. There's gotta be a way that, that we can change those values or add those values, um, without having to go into our code editor and rebuilding the application. And so I was on, or I was listening to the Adventures in Angular podcast, actually, when I heard this other uh, guy, and sorry, I can't remember his name. I'll have to go back and look at the episode, but he was talking about um, being able to load runtime configuration um, in your Angular app. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. And so I started digging into it and uh, was able to find a way where um, you can load a JSON file if you want, or you could make an HTTP call to uh, a server and get back an object that you could use um, and inject into different parts of your app and use that very similarly to how you would use the environment.ts file, but you could change those values um, without rebuilding the application. And so it was perfect. Um, and I was a little bit overwhelmed at first, like I thought, oh, this looks kind of hard to do, uh, but it really turned out to be pretty easy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really easy to learn. And, uh, and so I, I don't know if you want me to show a couple examples here. Um, let me. Yes, please. So, um, I have, if you want to send the, send me the screen share, then I can show you, uh, kind of the, the three different parts um that you need to do okay let me see here okay so i've set it up so you're presenting to everyone so then as soon as you're ready to screen share it should it should be okay. set all right here we go cool. so um all right, so what I learned basically was uh, that there was um, three kind of parts that you had to do to uh, set up loading the that configuration. And uh, the first part is um, right here in the top left image there uh, with the providers array in the app.module. And I, I mean, I guess you could do it in any, uh, any module, but uh, I think normally you'd probably put it in the app.module file. Um, and so um, it allows you to provide this app, app initializer uh, that you can import from Angular. Um, and uh, the idea is that this uh, factory that you provide will run uh, and finish before the app is initialized, which is perfect because obviously a lot of times you're gonna need uh, that configuration as soon as the application is, is loaded in, uh, in the browser. Uh, and then uh, you uh, provide a, a factory here, um, a, a function essentially, um, and then you tell it what dependencies uh, that it's going to need. Uh, it could be um, HTTP client, for example, or 
uh, in this case, um, this is just a service uh, that um, I made that wraps HTTP for you and, and loads the uh, loads the JSON file for you. And then the last part there, multi-true, just telling uh, telling Angular that you know you could have multiple of these if you needed to. Um, the function, the init config that that I wrote here, uh, this little factory. Um, it's pretty simple. The providers uh, or the dependencies, sorry, that you may need uh, just are passed in as parameters to that function. And then um, I returned a little function here uh, that calls uh, load config on that config service. Uh, one little catch here. Um, so you can put this um, init config function in the app.module. And that's what I what I did originally is I just put it right before the ng module declaration. And it wasn't working at first, and that was because I didn't have this export keyword there. I'm not exactly sure why it needed that, but it did. So if, if you're writing this, don't forget export function init config, because otherwise you'll be scratching your head trying to figure out why it's not working. Um, and then that load config function, um, it right now or when i when i started this at least I, it did have to return a promise but i believe they were uh what i read was it um soon um hopefully at least uh you could return an observable um from this uh this function but um i it was it's pretty easy with observables to convert it to a promise so that's what i did here uh but um it just does an http get and in my case i was passing in a file url um, and so that's uh, that's uh, where it, it calls that um, that get and then convert it to a promise. And then after that, um, I get the data from the JSON file and then I set it to um, a variable of that service so that I can access it later. Um, and then in a couple spots, I noticed that um, if I just tried to get the object, it wasn't loading it properly. And so I also, um, I use a subject as well that uh, some areas, if it wasn't loading the config object properly, then it would just subscribe to this subject and then get that. So that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all you have to do to load load um, runtime configuration. So I don't, before we move on, I can, I have some StackBlitz examples to show, but I don't know if there's any questions before we get there. Um, not so much about the how-to, but more so the why of, sure, uh, having the environment variables is great, but, um, and you, you may have covered this, and I may have missed it because I have a tendency to do that, <laughs> of uh, when you, would you want to have a runtime configuration value? Yeah, I don't think I said this, so thanks for asking. I, I should have brought that up. Um, so one of the examples that, uh, one of the times that we needed to do it specifically was, uh, we like to use Sentry in our applications. And so um, it was nice to be able to um, put in our Sentry configuration in our runtime configuration file. And then if we, um, if we changed, for example, if we had to change the um, the DS, I think it was called the DSN or or the URL for to report to Sentry, uh, we didn't have to reload the whole application. We could just change the the uh, the value in the file 
and then it was immediately available. Where before, if it was in the environment.ts file, we could change it, but then we had to commit it with Git, and then we had to go through our whole build process uh, just to get it, and then deploy it again just to see that value change. And so most of the values I found as I was looking at it, almost every value that I was putting in my environment.ts file actually worked better in the runtime configuration file. And then I didn't have to um, rebuild the application. Every time I wanted to change one, I could change it immediately. And um, you can also build it one time and you could deploy that one. Like we, we build it into a Docker image and we could build that one time and create a Docker image and then take that same image and deploy it in the test environment and provide all of the test configuration values, um, like the URL for our backend um, in that runtime configuration. And then we could take that same image and take it to production. And so that limited the number of places that it could fail between test and production. So before that, we would build once for test and it would work in test. And then we'd rebuild the image and maybe a package version changed between when we built the test image and the production image. And so we would have to figure out, you know, why is this not working in production, but it's working in test. And so we kind of limited the, the number of ways that it could fail by using the same image in the test environment and in the production environment. That makes sense. Um, so you said you found it better to move everything into runtime configuration. Does that mean you're no longer utilizing the environment file or did you find a balance between you using both? Uh, so as of right now, um, the only thing we are, we're still using the environment.ts file. Uh, we're in the process of moving away from it though, but we're using it um, because the authentication package that we used um, did not, uh, it, I'm not sure why, but it didn't like using the runtime configuration. But then, um, but they, I found they implemented basically this same strategy in the package um, where you can provide them a file um, and not, it doesn't have to be in the environment.ts file. And so um, I think maybe now it could actually use uh, a runtime configuration file. And once we move that away, uh, we pretty much won't be using our environment.ts file anymore. Um, I think um, we have maybe a couple flags, like in our ours, it, I think it, by default, the environment.ts file comes with uh, like production is false uh, variable or something like that, an attribute saying that production is false. Um, and so I think we might be using that in a couple spots, but even then uh, we will probably try and move away from that just because um, it, the, we found that the less items that we had in there, the more likely we were to be able to use that same application built once and deploy it to multiple uh, places and, and environments and not have to, not having to rebuild them if we needed to change anything or, or anything like that. So um, we're kind of in the process of moving away from using the environment.ts file um, and just using runtime configuration. That makes sense. Thank you for explaining. And so then I have a question. Uh, so then that file URL, that's a file that has that uh, those configurations in it that 
is not part of your repository code um, that's then managed some other way. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so let me find the. Um, and if you're going to cover it later, slide you, here. You can get to it later. That's fine. <laughs> no. Um, so. Yeah, we don't we don't provide that. I, I think we have one in there um, just as it's like our default um, local development um, runtime configuration that everybody can use because um, we don't have any secrets in any of our in any of our Angular applications. You know, we don't we have some on the back end, obviously, but in in our Angular application, we don't have anything that we don't we don't care if any of that stuff is committed to our Git repository. So we do have our default development one so that you don't have to change anything. When you pull it down from the repo, you can just start the application and it'll work. Um, but let me find my, okay. So um, this is our Docker file. Um, our, we were using uh, Docker Compose. We've changed a little bit, but it's the same idea where um, we have um, in the assets app config, folder in our Angular application, we have a config.json that's always there. Uh, but when we deploy it uh, using Docker, um, we just uh, use the vo a volume and um, we have a local on our server, we have a Angular config.json file that we basically copy into the container and it overwrites any of the values that were there before. Um, it overwrites the file with the, the volume mapping. And so then we can, um, we can put that file on each server. And then when we start the application, it copies that file right into the application and um, and it's still, and, it, and then, it, then it has the right configuration values. Um, so you, if you're not using um, Docker, you could do the same thing where you build the code and you move that onto whichever server, wherever the, the application is gonna be served from. And then you could um, have your, Angular config.json here um, for your test environment, for example, and you could copy that file and move it right into uh, right into the applications built um, the built applications assets folder, and then it will load that one. So that's what we did um, for for deploying. Cool. And then your Angular config and your config.json file that naming convention that's something that you just chose, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's just something that we we chose. Um, probably um, could have made a better name than just config.json for the application. Uh, but then on the server, we chose Angular config just so that we knew, you know, we have one for our back end and then um, we have one for Angular so that we knew what it was. But that, yeah, that was just preference. Um, it could be anything that you want. Cool. I like those choices, just what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and you just have to remember whatever you choose to name it, um, that, that um, so if you named it uh, instead of config.json, runtime config.json in the init config function um, where you pass in a file URL, you would just have to pass in that name. So, uh, and then it's in the assets folder and i found the assets folder was the best place to put it um, because um, it's kind of like the uh kind of like images you can get um in your application if you put them in the assets folder they're copied into the into the built application output and so then you can get them but i tried to put them in like the source 
just the source folder for the app application and I I couldn't get to the config file. So that's why I put it in the assets folder as well. And you can put it in a subfolder if you want. You don't have to. Cool. Thank you. So you said you have some stack blitzes to show us. Yep. Um, let me pull those up real quick. Awesome. Um, and then if you want to share links with me, I can post them um, on the YouTubes and Twitters for people to also pull up. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me get this first one. So the first one, um, let me see. Is there... Uh, I haven't used, oh, there's the chat thing. Okay, I was trying to find the chat. So there's the link for the first one. Awesome, thank you. Yep, so this one, um, let me zoom in a little bit here. A little bit easier to see. So this one, I, um, I'm just loading it, like if you were gonna write it on your own um, and from scratch, I, I just have provided it here in the uh, an example of how to do that. Um, so we kind of went over this before in the app.module file. Um, you'll import app initializer from Angular Core, and then in your providers array, um, do provide um, app initializer, and then it needs this use factory and tell it which function will be that factory, um, and then the dependencies. And um, I. I'm telling it that it needs the app config service um, and then multi-true. So we could, again, I mentioned this before, but you could have three of these app initializers that all do something different if you needed to. So I think that's pretty cool too. Um, the app config service is pretty simple. If we come over here and look at that, um, I have a private variable of uh, config um, where we'll save that configuration object when it loads, and then the subject that I mentioned before. Um, and then when we call the load config, um, right now I um, hard code, in this example, I hard coded in where the, um, where the config file would be loaded. Um, but it just calls load config and it just does an HTTP get call uh, to get that JSON file converts it to a promise. Um, and then when it loads it, um, sets the local config variable to the data that is loaded, console.logs it, and then uh, does a next with that value um, for the subject and then catches the errors. So it's pretty easy. And then um, to use the configuration somewhere else, I just have a get config method that returns a configuration object. And you can get creative with, with that too. It could be that you pass in a key and you just return that value too. Uh, so back over here, um, when the app initializes, it calls this init config, init config function um, and passes in the app config as a parameter because again, we declare that as a dependency. And then it calls the app config .load config function for us. And then you can see over here in the um, in the uh, console that it was um, that it logged that those values in my assets config config.json file test value and API URL um, right there. So it it logged those out. And if we add another one. 
then when it saves and reloads, maybe. There we go. So now we have that attribute to some value in there. Um, and then in the component, oops, wrong one. Um, nope, I'm not using it in there. Maybe in the fake API service. Oh yeah. So this is just a fake API service where, um, I don't know why I named it undefined config. Um, that's weird, but, um, we inject that app config service um, into the into this service, and then um, in the constructor, um, we just. Um, oh, I think this was. I was trying to do an example of when um, sometimes this uh, this config value was uh, undefined, um, and so you would use the subject, but um, it is not undefined, but you can, uh, in the constructor, you can say this.appconfig.getconfig, and then you could use like this base URL, you could uh, say this.base URL equals um, config.api URL. And so that's one of the ways that we use it, um, is that we'll put in our, our backend URL, uh, API URLs in the config, and then in the constructor for each of our services, we can uh, set that um, base URL so we know where to call. So that's one of the more frequent ways we've used this as well. Um, so that's, again, like I said, it's, I mean, it's fairly simple. Um, it was a little bit overwhelming when I first pulled it up uh, and tried to do it, but um, it's just that function providing this factory and then and then loading it. Uh, I and now I wanted to point out too that I just am putting in here um, a file URL uh, to the assets folder, but because it's just an HTTP GET call, it could be uh, you could call a backend somewhere and do a normal HTTP call to get your configuration too, and it could go to some backend um, that you have set up somewhere and get that information as well. So it doesn't have to be a file. Uh, we, we chose files and that's, that's what I chose, but it doesn't have to be. You could put in some URL here to your server and have it load it that way as well. Cool, so Preston, I wanna take a stab really quick at the, um, uh, the undefined variable scenario and what I think might be happening there and, and maybe why you did that and, and kind of explain why it might happen for, for people. Because what I think is happening is that because you're making that HTTP, HTTP call, right, and that um, loading is returning that promise, then it's asynchronously loading that data, right? And so it could be still making that call before, while somebody's trying to access the config data from that service, right? So there's like a timing, runtime timing issue that that HTTP call needs to complete to load that config service with the data, right? Um, and that's where I think it's kind of cool with the config, so the subject that you have in there in that service, because then throughout your app, you can subscribe to that subject, right? And then have that data ready when it comes through that, that pipeline. Yep, yeah, and that's what I found. The confusing part was that from everything I read, um, the, um, let me come over here. This function is, and uh, because it's the app initializer, it's supposed to finish before the application 
continues past it, at least how I understood it. But like you mentioned, sometimes it wasn't happening that way. And it was, um, it was coming back as undefined. And so, yeah, like you said, I just made a subject and that way, even if it did, um, every time I inject the app config service into a new, um, into a new service or component or whatever, I check it one time to uh, locally to see if it has the the value when it when I need it, and if it doesn't, then I use the the subject, and then everything works out uh, how it's supposed to. So that that was the confusing part. I'm not totally sure, and it could be very well that I just misunderstood what I read about um, about that provider, um, that app initializer being finished before the rest of the application loads. But um, in the case that it doesn't or that the configuration value is undefined, then I just subscribe to this subject. Yeah, I, I found that as I played through those things, that, that was one of the tricky things is that, okay, I'm gonna load data, but I, I wanna load data in the app initializer from a call, right? That's gonna be like that. And I've seen that same sort of scenario. So yeah, just kind of yeah. like a heads up of what people can, you know, yeah, thank you. Cool, cool. Thank you. Yep, no problem. So I have one more um, stack blitz example uh, to to show too. Um, let me send this one over too. And this one, uh, so I um, I did this a few times um, in a couple of different applications, and then realized that it'd probably be easier if I put it into a package and then I didn't have to rewrite that stuff everywhere. So I did um, make a, an, a package that you can install from NPM and I just called it a runtime config loader. Um, you can see it here. So you can NPM install that. And then um, you don't have to write that config service um, in each of your applications. So you just import it. And then um, I have an init config function um, and the service that you can uh, use um, in the providers array. So you still provide the app initializer. And then for use factory, um, you give it the init config function from the package. And then you just tell it that it, you need the runtime config loader service as a dependency. And then um, it, when you import the module, you just tell it, um, file URL and give it the file URL and it'll load it from, from there. Um, you so just did it, all it that for us. That's so nice. Yep, You're just, a nice person. Thank you. Yep. Just for you guys. So, but yeah, it, uh, it was, it was, um, it was nice for me. I, I mean, I, I did it to hopefully help other people, but even if no one else uses it, um, I was kind of tired of writing the same functions over and over and having to, to manage them in multiple spots. So again, that's pretty easy. And I need to go back in and change this uh, this property name because um, like I said before, it's not um, just a file URL. It could, be an, it could be an API URL as well. So I need to change that to something that is a little bit better, um, but just know that you can pass in a, an HTTPS colon slash, you know, backslash, backslash myapi.com and it could pull it from there as well. But that's, uh, so you, like I said, you can install that from NPM and then you just have to import those, uh, those few things from the package and then provide it. And then it'll still, you can see over here that it's, uh, it's loading those, um, those attributes from the, 
a config.json file, just like uh, just like before. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And I saw that making use of the for root pattern. That's pretty cool too. I like that. Yeah, and um, yeah, I learned a lot doing that too. But uh, but yeah, it's pretty easy to for, so that anyone can put up in whatever wherever whatever location they want to or whatever they can they can pass that in and it's not hard coded like in this other one where we can where we saw that i hard coded the the url in there for it and so do you have that code up like on github that other people can start contributing and, and stuff if they wanted to for that yep it's um let me see i can't remember the uh i think it's just here. Yep. So I'll send this URL too, but it's on GitHub. Um, so if anyone wants to contribute, they're more than welcome to. Um, I need to update it because apparently there's a, a security alert here. GitHub's telling me about, but if anyone wants to contribute, um, love to have uh, love to have contrib contributions from people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for that too, by the way. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> cool. All right, what else? You got uh, other stuff you want to talk about on, on this, or do you want us to ask you some questions? Uh, uh, that's all. That's all I have to show. So, any questions that you guys have, um, try and answer them to, to the best of my abilities. Cool. All right. So I'm going to take it off uh, screen share. So we'll go back so we can everybody can see your face. Um, and then if you want to show something again, just let me know. Give me a heads up and we'll switch back to that. Okay, uh, sounds good. But uh, I have some questions. Do our panelists have any questions they want to dive into first? Or do you want me to ask, ask mine? You're already queued up. Let it rip. All right, I'm just going to go. I don't know. I shouldn't have even asked. I should have just asked my question, right? <laughs> Is it okay if I ask a question? Um, okay, so you've got this one runtime configuration service that's going to have this runtime configuration data. Um, should we be thinking about, or, or or what have you seen in terms of this usage, like thinking about just having like one service that contains all of our runtime configuration, or do you start seeing needs to maybe have different services for different types of runtime configurations, right? Where we're loading all well, You mentioned that we could possibly do that with the app initializer. Um, so what might be the scenarios anybody could think of that we might want to have containerized different uh, runtime config service? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I have not needed to load my own configuration um, using more than one um, one instance. You know, I, I haven't had to load more than one file. I've been able to put everything in one file, except for I kind of mentioned earlier the application or the authentication package that we use. It essentially uses this uh, runtime config loader to um, if you want to load. Um, the the values that you need for pointing telling it where the authentication url is and all that stuff um but when i tried to use my, this way uh that i just showed you guys um it didn't really work in the test environment it worked in the in my local environment and i'm not sure why it didn't work there but they provide their own way that you just basically tell it that you're gonna load uh the configuration for the authentication from a file and it does it for you. And so I think that would be, 
it's essentially the same thing. Um, it's uh, loading, kind of isolating the authentication in one file and the rest of your app, app configuration in another one. But that's the only time I've seen where you would need to. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe there would be a, a time where you want to have multiple files. I just haven't, I haven't really seen it other than in that situation. I put, my mind's starting to kind of think about like, what if I had some lazy loaded stuff, right? A section of my yeah. app that was lazy loaded, you know, how could I work in and potentially lazy loading config for that particular feature, you know, so that I only need to load that config if, if that's requested, right? I wonder um, that. That becomes interesting to kind of think about too, if you're going, okay, well, I want to do it on app initializer, which is really the load of the app. Now I have to probably find a, a different way to leverage, you know, on demand, you know, lazy loaded type of config, but maybe still the same pattern, right? Maybe it's just not connecting it to the app initializer, but doing it in a different way with a provider, custom provider. Yeah, and I wonder if, um, I don't know how it would work, um, but if you put that code in one of the lazy loaded modules, but it used the app initializer token, I don't know how that would work exactly, if it would only actually load it, when the lazy loaded module is pulled in, I'm not sure whether uh, that would be that might work the same, but I'm not sure. Yeah, my my initial thought goes to the idea of having um, some sort of map of the different subsections of configuration that you could dynamically get and initialize at that point in time. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting. Um, thought experiment to be able to dive through the idea of having like sub configurations and how to expose them all through the same mechanism. Lot, lot to you can almost see the smoke coming out of his <laughs> ears while he's talking. You see, it's like little, like the cartoon thing. I've already burned up all that stuff. There's no, nothing to smoke or smolder. You can hear the grinds clicking around in there. You got all your little, little gears yeah. going. No, but it's an it's an interesting idea to be able to lazy load uh, your configuration. So just like you lazy load a module, you don't want all of your information in your browser being busy loading that code up front. You want to do the same thing with your configuration. If you don't need it up front, why load it? I like loading everything up front. And that just is kidding. one. Just Never mind. I don't want to go there. <laughs> you gonna sass? You gonna sass, Bonnie? <laughs> I was going to, but. So maybe like coming back to the uh, authentication provider scenario that you had and, and thinking a little long lines of, of that and saying, I've got a runtime config that has my configuration for a third party, you know, piece of, of code, like an uh, authentication, right? And so I need to load my runtime config in my Angular app. And then right after that, send that config data that I've got into some type of, you know, authentication service or third party module or, or services to, for them to configure themselves off of my runtime config. Um, is that something that we could do is in the order of operations in the providers array and say, you know, do our provider for our runtime configuration first. So now we have our service instantiated with the data in it and then provide the third party one passing in a depth of our runtime configuration so it could use it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and when I first uh, when I first started doing this, um, the whole reason really that I wanted to that it was the authentication p 
piece was the reason why I wanted to load it um, because I had to keep changing stuff. And so um, in the, I had an authentication module that loaded the authentication, everything that had to do with authentication, the service and, and all that stuff. Um, and the weird thing was, like I, I kind of mentioned before, when I was on my uh, local environment, I could get that configuration object and get all the values that I wanted and it would work locally. And then uh, there was something about our test environment that for some reason it wasn't loading, uh, loading those values correctly. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure why, um, but I think from a lot of services, you probably could have it still work that way. I mean, um, we do use that for, uh, for logging errors to Sentry. And essentially we have to configure Sentry after the app config loads and it does work there. Um, and so I'm not exactly sure why for that one package it didn't work, but I think a lot of times um, we just waited to load um, those, uh, that configuration. We would check and say, if, if the config object is available um, then go ahead and do it. Otherwise, wait for the subject to emit its next value. And then once it does that, then load load this, this module or, or configure this service. And that seemed to work really well. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we got any other questions? Anybody? No. We just have gratitude for the fact that Preston figured all this out and then put it on NPM so the rest of us didn't have to uh, go through this pain. I haven't had this scenario yet where I needed this, but I have had scenarios where it was really painful to figure everything out. And once I got it working, I was so proud of it. It was like, hey, this is cool. And it's really nice. And it's a, it's an extra step to take it all and package it into a nice NPM package and docs and things that you can share. And um, we just, we appreciate you, Preston, taking that uh, extra hey, step. No problem. And, um, the Angular team made it much easier for me to do that. So they deserve a lot of the credit because building the library was really pretty easy uh, using the tools that they gave. So, um, Oh yeah, we them, appreciate them thanks too. to them too. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, um, Mike, did you have to say, say something? Or? I was just going to say that it opened my eyes to a new pattern. I've always done my, um, configuration just through the environment files. I haven't had run into the need to do anything like this, but it's definitely an interesting pattern to consider uh, moving forward. So, it's oh, not every day someone teaches Mike something new, Preston. That's pretty good. Good job. Yeah, for me, the big like key takeaway is that fact that Preston, like you brought up in the beginning about, you know, you, you're committing those environment files to your repository and you're keeping all of that configuration, right? For your target environments that you're going through, which makes sense, right? But say you have four, five, six, seven of them as you grow and, and want to deliver to staging, dev, test, that sort of thing. You have to now create all those new files as part of your repository, configure them, broker off all that stuff. And, and this provides that, that solution where that config lives in those target environments as an artifact there. And you're just delivering one payload of code that's the same to each of them, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of times mistyped a URL or something like that in my environment. And then when I found out that it was just a mistyped URL and that's why it wasn't calling the backend and I had to go through the whole process of rebuilding 
everything and redeploying. Um, that's another thing that, you know, this takes away that uh, if you mistyped it and it comes back and says that's, uh, you know, 404, it's like, oh, well, I can just change it in this file, reload it, and it and it works. So that's another another reason why I liked it a lot. Cool. Very cool. I think another thing that I just thought about uh, is that if it's in your environments, if you accidentally build, you know, production and send it to staging, then your production configuration could be flowing through there, right? Whereas if you build for production, but it's not part of your environments, it comes from this other runtime config, then you didn't accidentally put, get those URLs in that flow going over there. So that's another, yeah, for sure. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get to some picks and then we'll, we'll wrap things up for today. Does anybody have any picks? Go ahead and raise your hand. I'll, I'll call on you. All right, Alyssa, go ahead. You go first. Um, so I wanted to give everyone a heads up if, uh, even if you are not uh, an existing speaker, but you want to get into speaking that both Angular Connect and Angular Denver CFPs are currently open. So, uh, highly encourage everyone, whether newbie or expert to, to submit. So yeah. And I'll have links of course, in the, the notes to both of those CFPs. Yeah. All right, Bonnie, did I see your hand, Bonnie? She read my mind. She stole my pick. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Alyssa. But I actually really want to just piggyback off of that, and I, I actually have a public service announcement. It's not exactly a pick. There are a lot of CFPs open, actually, in uh, NG Malaysia just open. Um, I think NG Rome is open. So there are a lot of really exciting new uh, Angular conferences popping up all over the world, and I really want – so I'm – like, I love to be silly, right? But I want to just really be serious for a minute. Um, if you're watching this and you're thinking to yourself, you're not going to submit a talk because nobody's ever heard of you and they're not going to pick you, you have to stop thinking like that because nobody ever heard of us before either. The only reason why any of you know who any of us are is because we started with speaking at conferences and speaking at meetups and stuff like that. And that's how Preston got started, right? So the only thing that you need to, to, to share and show something to somebody else is you need to have a... Uh, you need to figure out something that is really cool and helpful that you think other people might want to use and then put it together and maybe, you know, make some notes, make some slides and, and go out and teach some. I mean, it's, it's, I think the, whole, the only terrifying thing is the idea of getting up there and doing that in front of everybody is scary. Of course it's scary. We're all scared, but we don't care if you're nervous or if you get, you know, flustered because we're nerds. Like we want what you're teaching us. We don't care if, if you have like public speaking skills. We're, we're all a bunch of nerds. It's okay. Anyway, so that's my point is please consider doing a CFP. I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but don't, don't hold back because nobody's heard of you because that doesn't make you any less helpful if you have something helpful to share. And ask Preston because I had the same conversation with him and look at him now. He's awesome. And you all know who he is. Bonnie, you're such an amazing encourager. We love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it works. It will. It will. All right, Mike, do you have any picks? Uh, no, just to what uh, Bonnie said. Um, I agree. All right. I, I'm going to go with you and, and agree as well. I don't have any picks. I'm pickless in Seattle, but I'm not in Seattle. Never mind. All right. Preston, do you have any picks for us? Uh, I just have one. Um, kind of inspired by Bonnie again. Um, she uh, encouraged me to start a meetup 
locally. And so I did about a month ago uh, on Twitter, it's NG underscore Weber. Um, but NG Weber, that's uh, for Weber County where I live. Um, we're kind of doing a little bit of NG Houston where we'll do a lot of them online. But then uh, once we start getting some people who want to participate, we'll try and find some locations to do in-person meetups as well. Uh, so especially if you're in the Weber County area or Davis County area in Utah, um, then you know reach out to me through Twitter um, and I'll give you more information. And then if you're not, um, Follow us on Twitter and we'll tweet out links for the shows that we do online as well. That is so cool. I'm so proud of you, Preston. Hey guys, okay, we need a round of applause for Preston. That was really good. The whole, you're, you're just great, Preston. I'm so well, glad you. you started a meetup and this episode was really good too. You did a good job. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you sharing your time and sharing your knowledge with us. So thank you a lot. Thank you. That's a wrap. We'll catch you next time. See ya.